The following audio drama is rated PG for pretty good. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts and a couple of swears. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. This is Lucas Audio Production, where entertainment is always free. Broken Sea Audio presents Doctor Who Behind the Sofa. Hey, folks! This is uh, Stevie K. Farnaby, uh, producer and director of Broken Sea's Doctor Who. And I'm here aboard the TARDIS with none other than our Sir Julius Vogel Award-winning writer, Paul Mannering. Wow. Hello. Hello, Paul. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, fantastic. Um, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yes, that was um, quite the awesome award to win, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, wow. You know, I mean, that one was, uh, that, that really does mean something quite considerable, you know. Yeah. And um, the be- I think, I suppose, um, our 2010 season, I know just how hard you worked on that, you know, and you bombed the scripts, and we were getting scripts from you, like, every sort of two, three days, you know. It was uh, really fast and um, well put together, you know, and it, it just seems that all that hard work... Um, that you put in for those, um, I suppose, two, three months um, that you worked on the scripts. You know, I mean, we're getting different drafts, I mean, every few days, you know, sort of revisions and things, you know. And yep. um, those those two or three months, you know, all that hard work you put in over those two or three months, it all seems like totally, totally worthwhile, you know. <laughs> Not that it wasn't yeah. already, you know, but I mean, but it just seems to be, you know, that, you know, it, you've, you've got that now as well, you know. <laughs> you know, well yeah, done, my friend. Um it really came together. I, I was on a, a real roll and I just had this very clear vision during that writing period of what was going to happen. And, you know, I'd come back to you guys and say, look, I've done this with this. And what do you think of that? And um, I'd get this great feedback saying, well, hey, why don't you try adding this in or, you know, go this way. And I'd be like, yeah, that's genius. And I'd rush off again and tap, 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 tap. <laughs> and it's just having a ball with it. It was really quite inspired. But, um, it's one of those real team efforts, you know, with you guys, you know, yourself and also Mac mm-hmm. and uh, Bill and Damaris and everyone just chipping in and saying, hey, you know, try this, do that. Oh, it's um, it, what made it. Well, it was fantastic, yeah. You, you're definitely right there on the teamwork, you know. I mean, it was just um, everybody sort of chipping ideas and we're getting all these ideas from different sources, which I think made for a, a much, much stronger season. And, you know, and... The passion as well and the enthusiasm that um, everybody had, you know, was just incredible. Uh, it was just superb to be a part of all of that, you know, um, even to, you know, whatever degree, you know, it was just awesome. And uh, yeah. like I said, you know, it, it all seems like um, all that hard work and effort that you put in over those few months on the writing, you know, was just, you know, well done, my friend, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it go. was cool. Yeah. And wow, and what a cool trophy as well. I know, aren't they fantastic? Um, I will be posting pictures of it when I receive it, uh, oh, maybe excellent. a few weeks away. 
Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I was just chatting to Mac um, on the last one, and we, we actually think it looked a bit like the, um, the key to time. Oh, yeah. It actually looks like <laughs> like a Doctor Who prop. Even well, you though... know, it was designed by Weta Workshop, so it's going to be cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly, I haven't seen the pictures on their website, you know, it looked fantastic, you know. And all that little writing on the outside of it, it looks almost yeah. Gallifreyan. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> wow! My first thought was when I saw a picture of it, it was my God, it's the lament configuration, you know, from Hellraiser, one of the boxes, puzzle boxes. Oh, do you know? Oddly enough, <laughs> um, Mark and I both mentioned that that we felt the same thing on the last behind the sofa, you know, and we said, yeah. you know. Um, we actually made the comment as well that if it had come out and it was like one of those lament boxes that you particularly would have <laughs> really loved it. Oh, that would be great. You know, knowing, awesome. knowing just how much you're, you're sort of into your classic sort of horror films, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I love it. Oh, it was fantastic. I was actually surprised the other day to learn that there's like seven um, Hellraiser films. They did a lot of them straight to DVD. But... Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Um, I, to be honest, um, haven't seen them. Um, I've seen most of them anyway. Um, yeah. uh, to be honest, I, I, I wasn't over keen on anything that was done after part two. Yeah. Um, I, I think they jumped the shark pretty badly in some of them. But. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, there were some nice scenes in a few of the later ones, but certainly not up to par when it came to the first two, which were absolute classics. Anyhow, Paul, uh, 2010 season, um, sort of yes. highlight moments, your sort of favourite bits? Uh, um, writing the uh, Quorum of Time was probably a strong point for me, oh, um, yeah. because that was just the, you know, the climax of it all, it was all that, and, you know, building off the idea of like having gone back and rewatched Battlefield and sort of made some notes about key elements that we would connect up with mm-hmm. and throwing some easter eggs in there too was kind of fun um, you know like the boy who witnesses the battle oh, being yeah. presented as the ancestor of the, the local historian that we saw in Battlefield um, well, that and was all nice, that sort of thing yeah I was just going to say that was kind of a nice touch because you almost saw um, the whole battle from uh, the viewpoint of somebody who was very innocent yeah, you know, and that was quite a nice little touch. And obviously, at the end of it, he's not quite so innocent, having seen the atrocities. You know, um, so yeah, it was. A, it was. I mean, it was a really, really great touch. And of course, Quorum of Time. You know, um, I've, I've. You know, I will go out on a limb and say. I mean, I've been producing Doctor Who for two years. Um, I've, I've read. I don't know how many scripts over the years. And truthfully, um, I can honestly say that I, I genuinely believe that Quorum of Time was possi- quite possibly the the finest scripts that I've ever sort of read for Doctor Who. Thanks. It was really of that sort of calibre. And um, it, it's like, I mean, I, you know, again, I mean, I, all I did was suggest a couple of premises at the beginning and, and don't, these scripts came back and it was like oh my god <laughs> what the yeah. heck has Paul come up with it's like whoa uh, it was uh, just you, you delivered something that was just so big so grand so epic you know and it all stepped from this one tiny little suggestion I've got to tell you though that, um, yeah? I'm looking to top it this year with the season finale for our next season Season four, oh, excellent! 
yeah, there's going to be some bar raising going on. Well, that's what we try to do, isn't it? Um, that's what it we're is. trying to do with Doctor Who now, is that as the episodes progress, we're up in the ante um, on yep. everything from the writing to the performances to the production values as well. Um, even episode one of uh, season four is, you know, um, it's it's a, a like a very very large production. It's on about 150 audio tracks, so it's wow. um, it's a huge production. <laughs> you know, again, <laughs> I'm sort of upping the ante even between our last season and the new season. <laughs> sort of production. I appreciate that. Um, I like the idea that we're introducing some amazing new ideas right from the first episode. Of course, and yeah. that, that you're giving in there with the you know the production standards being even higher and putting more and more detail into it um, is really fantastic because on paper it, it looks like a cool idea, but mm-hmm. just how big can it be um, is something that you have to add that third dimension to it when you do the mixing. Well, that's it. I mean, one of the things that I've always enjoyed. Um, especially about producing your scripts as well. And it's the same with modelling as well, because, uh, you know, Alexa's exactly the same with her scripts, which is that there are very few sort of uh, sound effects cues in yeah. Doctor Who <laughs> and the uh, modelling scripts. And, and that, that was actually sort of... Um, it, it's the way that I... They're the type of scripts I tend to prefer to produce because it allows my imagination to just open up and I can go completely mental with it all, you know? <laughs> And, um, it, yeah. Well, that, that's just it, and it's so much easier for me as a writer to focus on the dialogue, and I can just say, you know, they run mm-hmm. to into a room, you know, into a pyramid, or they, you know, they jump on board a starship, or you know, the ship takes off or something, and I just leave it at that because I think, yep, Stevie can handle that. He's got the skills, he's got the talent. He'll put it all together and make it sound fantastic. My focus is on. What's the next scene? You know, what's the next dialogue? Yeah. Where's the story going? Where we're going to move next? Yeah, you know, sort of plot-wise. Yeah. yeah, let you deal with the the, the, the mechanics of getting us there. Um, right. I'll focus on what people are saying. Oh, that, that's yeah, a really but, that's a really good way of sort of describing that. Actually, I've I've never yeah. thought of it quite that way, but you're right. You're absolutely right. That's exactly as it as it sort of goes. Um, I remember one sort of famous, um, <laughs> this is just for our listeners' benefit, it's kind of a, a bit of a fun one. Um, Paul sent me an email once and he said, um, he said something like, um, what I love about Stevie is I could put something in a script and he'll just make it happen. Um, he said, so I could put any old wacky sort of crazy thing in a script and it'll come out, you know. And he said, you know, he said I could have a, like a church organ playing in the middle of, you know, surrounded by... Um, I th- was it a thousand eggshells or a thousand yep. eggs hatching on a beach? That's right, yeah. Play. It was a thousand eggs hatching on a beach yeah. um, <laughs> while a church organ plays and there was something else going on as well. But it was these really <laughs> totally discordant elements all coming together. Um, and I, I, I said in that email, I said, yeah, and Stevie could do that. He, yeah. would, he would make it happen. Um, and then you did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. I kind of took that as a challenge, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get this email back saying, you mean something like this, Paul? And there it is. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was talking about. And um, when I actually created that sound effect, I actually called it the Mannerin effect. <laughs> 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 something because of just what a wacky sort of idea you came up with. Um, 
Oh man, and and you know you were on about you know and you know spot the tenuous link here. You know, um, speaking of eggs, you know um, there was an Easter egg on the end of Quorum of Time as well. I've got to get your comments on that because that was just. Oh, <laughs> I, I listened to the episode um, the first time and I was like, yeah, fantastic. You know, I listened to them both again back to back. I was like, Woo-hoo! and then I just switched it off at the credits because I thought, oh yeah, I know the rest of this. Um, I don't need to hear my name said again. Yeah, and. Then and like, did you hear the Easter egg? Did you? Hear? I thought, uh, yeah, there were some really good ones in there. That you did really well. Came out really well. He says, no, no. He says at the end. I'm like, ah. So I go back and I listen to the whole thing again, which was a pleasure. And yeah, listened right through the credits. And then I just started pissing myself laughing. I had no <laughs> idea that it was on there, but there was this whole entire scene you guys had put together. Uh-huh. You know, and I knew nothing about it. It was great. Well, that's it. You see, you were the um, you were our magician, right? Um, so <laughs> we, we, we sort of did this little <laughs> little tribute to you, you know. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Very sweet. <laughs> it was just such a funny thing because I, I mean, I was, I kind of approached that with Mark and I said, "Hey, why don't we end this off like on a sort of semi-musical note, you know?" <laughs> and I'd just been listening to Dave Lee Roth's um, "Eat 'Em and Smile" album, and "That's Life" was on there, and I thought, "That's Life, that's the perfect song, you know," because the doctor's just regenerated and got a new lease of life. That's life. It's yeah. got to be, hasn't it? You know. And, and then I got the idea of the robot jazz introspective. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Did, did you hear the other stuff as well? You know, the sort of fresh from his stint in the Westpac sector. Yeah. <laughs> Which was... <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. No, the whole thing, it just... I, I was in stitches over that. And, you know, the other day, um, I had... I was out walking and I had to drop my car off at the garage to get serviced. So then I was well, had a long walk back. Um, had to go to a mall to do some shopping and then catch a bus home. Mm-hmm. So I had my iPod on, and I'm walking through the mall and I've been listening to Quorum of Time again, and I'm like into the second episode, <laughs> and and there's that immortal line where the doctor says, you know, or I could live it, and I was just like, yes. And then I was sort of like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Let out this little sort of fist pump victory shout at the middle of a crowded mall. And I'm still sitting there on my own, and everybody sort of looks at me like, the hell? <laughs> oh, that, that really got me, eh? Just, just the way Mac delivered that and that whole scene, that, that climactic line. I just thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it still it gives me chills. And it's like, I wrote it, but I didn't bring it all to life. You know, that's what Mac did. And, Mm-hmm. And you know, with you putting the the whole thing together, the sound effects and the music, <laughs> it, it was it was one of those uh, shen, uh, sending shivers down your spine type moments, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree on Max's performance. On, um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I read that um, there's there's about three or four paragraphs just have you know just be, before and just after he's regenerated that were just absolutely mind-blowing you know um i, I kind of read those and just you know my, my head practically exploded it was like one of those um, scenes from the film scanner you know yeah. <laughs> or scanners was it? <laughs> um it was just like wow man that is that is something else you know and and of course mac being mac you know he just put the most incredible stamp on those lines just superb so i mean to be perfectly truthful as a producer <laughs> I had to do very very little at all with, with, with those simply because the lines were just phenomenally well written 
and they were just beautifully performed you know so there was there's very little I had to do you know but again that's that's kind of a joy for me to come across you know stuff like that and scenes like that it's yeah. it's just brilliant you know and uh, we, we seem to be getting that a lot more of late. Um, so any other highlights for that season in particular oh, from a writing point of view every episode had its moments um, of course yeah you know, Medusa Orb I, I just thought you know hey we'll get a bit you know dark and scary here you know the idea of mm-hmm. the guy turning into gold um, there was a thing I'd read about and gold I can't remember finger. the exact details but I sent an email to the exec team and said hey this would be really cool, you know. Um, it, it, I think it was something that transmuted material or something. But it was something real. Yeah. And I thought, man, this would be fantastic for a Doctor Who episode. Wasn't it and some form so, of crystal? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was some crystal thing. Um, and so, yeah, we came up with this whole world and sort of things where it could have come from and how it works. And Sorry to interrupt you, uh, Paul. I've, I've sussed out what it was. It was the Sir Julius Vogel Award. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what it was. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, sorry, uh, mate. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, uh, so I came up with that idea and then sort of went with that. And um, Max said, you know, hey, you know, let's do something in the 1930s and the prohibition and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Because when else would greed be so obvious? Um, so that was really cool. And then having this this idea of a world where um, gold was so mm-hmm. common that they used it as a building material. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's this thing that could turn light into gold, so the more light it absorbs, um, obviously worked. But, yeah, and the idea of someone being turned into gold as a as a way of killing them, I thought was kind of cool. And, and then there's, um, of course, east of the sun as well, which, you know, yeah. again, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that was really fun because I really wanted to, explore more with Jenny and yeah. and I just thought, you know, we don't want to like do a whole spin-off series, but it'd be great to have a, you know, um, have her doing something. And and everyone loves a good western. And of course oh, I've been course. watching uh, The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, which is my favourite Western of all time. Unlike. For about the umpteenth time. <laughs> and so I'm watching that and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we so have to do a Western and we so have to do Jenny in it. Mm-hmm. And so get together, we talked all about it, and we came up with these ideas, and bang, there we go. And then at the end, there was that little Easter egg of, um, of Jenny, you know, um, thinking about what to name her baby. Which I, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which may or may not be the same person, but we thought it was an interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. well, it was a very interesting twist. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was, um, you know, Mechalution as well, you know, which was... Oh, yeah. Talk about ideas where we have a group of people, we got together, we all talked about this, and, you know, I I said, we want to do something where we have this this gem of an idea, or the germ of an idea, and Mm -hmm. kept on flicking emails out to everyone and saying, look, you know, the idea of machines that are evolving, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone was sort of putting input onto that, and we're talking about it, and then went ahead and just blurted out the whole script, it just poured out. And it really is phenomenal because that is what began there is going to be quite interesting in the future. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be quite something. But but the idea of you know machines that aren't alive but mm-hmm. are evolving, uh, I just thought was kind of cool. Well, it is so, yeah, yeah. And, a, and a sort of uh, raping and pillaging the landscape as well. 
Um, yeah, I mean, just like humans, you know, um, doing what we have to to survive. And, yeah. Um, and evolving. Again, yeah. not, not, not evil. Um, oh, no, well, that was just it. It, it, it was, so we're just doing what was natural. Yeah, doing what you have to. I mean, and that's what species do. I mean, you one know? of my favourite elements of, um, you know, certainly from Mechalution was the... Um, the, the the different sort of uh, levels of emotional content in that episode, you know, because you went from sort of, you know, the, there were scenes that were hysterically funny, and then there were other ones yeah. that kind of got a bit disturbing. We even we even had a, a sort of a slight scene where the, the the doctor got sort of a bit miffed at Amanda for trying to um, build build the new canine with legs, you know, yes. <laughs> and stuff. And and so, it, what was really nice about that in terms of the dialogue was that you brought out like a, like another side of the doctor's personality as well. And um, and then of course you know and then we had these really sad sort of disturbing moments and then we had the big action sequences you know and it was yeah. like you know if there was one episode that had absolutely everything it would probably be Mechalution simply on the grounds that it had such a massive range of different things going on within and that, that episode. phenomenal absolutely phenomenal soundtrack you oh, know the was, music that was put together for that and oh, the things that was, was great. Josh did a superb job on that. Yeah, um, he really did. I, I mean, he really did. I mean, he's a big Doctor Who fan anyway, you know, so um, he, he, he was totally motivated by wanting to do the absolute very best that he could, and then some. Yeah. Clearly, you know, the, the results sort of speak for themselves, you know, fantastic. Um, anyhow, so, so we're kind of looking towards 2011 and the season four kicking off you know yes now no. the exciting thing about that is that this um has been an opportunity because we've had time to plan it um and we had a lot of summit meetings about it mm-hmm. um last year of is course. that this is a season which has got a constant story arc it's one big long story um with some really interesting material in it mm-hmm. but it's an ongoing thing so each episode will hopefully they'll all be connected there's no separate um, I think the only one that's different might be the fourth episode mm-hmm. which is the called The Thing um, and because I always like to have a comedy episode in each uh, season this one is the comedy episode which is kind of odd considering that it involves a murder um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it was a lot of fun, and you know, and there's some great lines in it, and I'm expecting very good things from yourself and the cast. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, we're all going to try and deliver, of course, you know, because I, mean, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess that's yeah. the thing, you know, the, the, the people that are working on our Doctor Who, um, everybody just they'll give us 110 percent, 110 percent of the time, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an absolute joy of a series to work on, you know, we've got a fantastic team, creative team behind it, and we've got all these extra people sort of in the background, and people yep. that are sort of chipping in lines for us, you know, and they're all giving it 110%, you know, and so um, I think that's one of the reasons why we're getting such heavy downloads, you know, and why it's become so popular. I mean, yeah. crikey, 62,000 downloads in two months, Paul. <laughs> Without know. releasing a new And we haven't episode. even released anything new yet. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the mind boggles. I was having a look, actually, um, I think uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning this morning. 
because yeah. I was up late last night sort of uh, mixing down a, behind the, a special behind the sofa show um, and um, to cut a long story short I was looking then and it was about I think it was at about 68,500 downloads <laughs> which is just extraordinary you know I mean wow I mean <laughs> It, it's. Um, I, I mean, I am surprised that our uh, service provider hasn't actually tried to charge us a premium, you know, for the bandwidth that we use. <laughs> you know, we're just get, we're going to be pushing the limit, eh? Well, we've got to be. We must be at this moment in time, and I, I, I would surmise that it won't be much longer before they start looking at <laughs> doing just that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what well, service providers are like, Paul. You know, and I, I was just yeah. pretty good to be honest with you. You know, they've been. Uh, we've had pretty much a rock solid sort of um, you know service from them you know, and, I've, and they've been patient with us as well and have helped us out quite a bit you know when we've had little issues and things so yeah they've been pretty good so what else to expect then um, oh, oh yeah, you were on about you were on about the sort of interconnected nature of the t- uh, season four and um, yeah. the way I would sort of um, I suppose the best analogy I would use is it is very similar to the key to time, you know, in that you've got a, a sort of a plot line and a story arc that runs all the way through the season, but you've also yeah. got these like individual things going on in each episode as well. So it's not like um, it, it's not like you have to listen to all thirteen episodes, you know, to get you know, to, no. you know, you can, the, you can the, listen to one here and there this... as well, you know. Yeah, the best thing I could say at this stage is that Viracoca, which is mm-hmm. the first episode, um, it's not the first chapter of the story, but it's the start of the story. Or it's not the start of the story, but it's the first chapter of the story. Mm-hmm. I think when, it, when people have listened to the entire season, mm-hmm. they will go rushing back to um, episode one, and they'll be like, oh my god, <laughs> they'll be listening to it again, going... But no, but what? But oh my god! Yeah, um, absolutely. And that would be that would be cool. And there are other episodes in it where you'll just sit there going, "They did not just do that." <laughs> yeah, we did, and we, we apologise in advance. Um, but oh. there's going to be some a really interesting new threat to the universe. Um, we're bringing back probably the greatest um, opponent, enemy threat that the Doctor has ever known. Um, Without giving any spoilers away as to who that is or what that is. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not giving any details, but it's probably not who you think it is. Um, we're bringing in... Well, we've got everything this year. I mean, we're going to have... There's Daleks in it, there's Cybermen in it, there's some brand new enemies. I mean, I've got these ideas. Um, one of them, a new enemy, is a an alien or a race of aliens that the Doctor... Um, I don't think he's encountered before. I'm still working out the details. Mm-hmm. But they live time backwards. So what they do is they see the future the way we remember the past. That's how they remember the future. But they don't know what came in the past. So what they do is oh. they absorb truth, um, like historical knowledge, mm-hmm. like information. So, yeah, um, and well, they're really interesting because, again, they're not intrinsically evil or dangerous, but they are doing what they need to to survive. And because they see the future, mm-hmm. they are in opposition to the Doctor because they can say, we know what's coming and what you've done and what you will do. Well, that's, um, I mean, 
that that's what I've always loved about the, the sort of attention to detail and the imagination as well that you have, Paul. You know, it's like um, I remember a little while back um, we were sort of discussing Doctor Who monsters and villains and things, and we had this whole conversation. I, rem- I remember sort of um, saying, you know, you know, you kind of asked me what type of aliens and threats and things like that, and you know, monsters we should put into our season. And I remember talking yeah. about, it and I said. Why not try to come up with something new, you know, something that's never been done before, you know, and really push it right out there, you know. Um, Certainly the idea you've just mentioned um, (laughs) definitely falls into that category. Um, Absolutely superb idea. And there are more just like that as well, you know, um, to come. The really fun thing about this season is that writing it is that the Doctor and Amanda Mm -hmm. are going from planet to planet through time, they go from the 51st century to ancient Earth. They they go to new worlds that we've never imagined. Um, and you see and experience things in this season that haven't been done before. I mean, one of the episodes is currently titled The Six Billion Deaths of Sokovashi. So you're dealing with, a, a you know, <laughs> like global genocides and you know, and really nasty detail. So a lot of it is is going to be quite scary. Um, one of the episodes has a, a good opening scene with two children who are refugees on a a bit of a tribute to Battlestar Galactica. Yes, we'll get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> where the, these two kids are on a refugee spaceship and they are escaping something. Right. And it all ties in with <clears throat> the whole, you know, elements of the season arc. So it's like, what the hell, you know? And and but it but it makes it really personal because it's like it's not just the doctor, you know, gallivanting around. And it's something I've noticed um, in the mm-hmm. current season of BBC. And I'd like to point out that we wrote this first. Um, that that getting onto this idea of the doctor being, um, you know, a, a god and a legend and a myth. So you know, there are these children, even these children on this massive spaceship, which is fleeing this threat are aware of the doctor but they to him he's a bogeyman you know if you don't right. eat your greens the doctor will get you you know um, right. and he will and that sort of thing yeah. so it's these interpretations and and these people have their myths and their legends about this character and the things he did um and it's like yes you know he's very just and he he's but he's also very vengeful and very angry um so it's sort of giving a perspective from outside the TARDIS of how other, you know, races see him, and well, they've all got their legends and stories. Well, again, so yeah, I mean, I mean that's yeah. kind of an interesting concept in its own right because, um, truthfully, there hasn't really that that side of things hasn't even really been explored, you know, certainly very thoroughly anyway on the TV series. Um, in that, you know, you kind of each episode, you kind of right in the middle. Of each race, um, yeah, and and so you're in the middle of all of the events, you know. But what you're not yeah. seeing is the whole mythology and and how other races see the Doctor and other worlds see him and, and, and things like that. So you're not really seeing the outside perspective because you're well, so much on it. the inside, you know. Uh, from the inside, wow, that's a great type <laughs> <of> story. <laughs> yeah, that was a trip, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much inspired, of course, by the... Um, that was the first three episodes of the 2010 season three. 
Um, it was very much inspired by Alice Cooper's album, the same uh, album and the songs in that. But yeah, I, I like that one because um, that kind of hinted at uh, things as well. And I think it wrapped up season two, some of the, the lost elements of that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was it was nice to um, to, to have wrapped up some of the story elements so that we could kind of uh, move on, I guess, yeah. you know, into sort of, you know, taking the show in a, a, again in a sort of slightly new direction, you know, our direction, and that was the end of that, you know. It, if I may be so bold and vain, mm-hmm. it was perhaps like the transition from um, RJD to well, RTD to, um, to Stephen Moffat, the BBC, you know, you had to change things around. Yeah. You had to, to end mm-hmm. things, you had to wrap things up, and you had to move on and say, yeah, we're doing it differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think season four is going to be a hell of a lot more Stephen Moffat than a lot less RTD. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we've done as well is um, we're um, we're moving out and branching out in, and going in our, in our own direction now. You know, oh, yeah. I, I suppose, like, and we're doing that more and more. It's um, we're taking the Doctor character in a, in a completely new sort of direction than I think has ever been really explored, and we're taking the show in a new direction too, um, which is again it's it, it, it the whole thing just for me that that's the exciting part now, you know okay we, we we're still tied down to the TV series canon. Um, to, yes. to a certain degree, of course. I mean, it, certain events have happened, and and you can't change that, you know. Because we've had, a, you know, well over, you know, forty years of history, you know. Who's <laughs> <Excuse> me? <laughs> oh dear. Sorry, you might have to edit that one out. I think that. Was <laughs> <rude>. Just <laughs> no, I think I'll leave that in, mate, and just just. You know, just make sure we don't mention green jelly babies. Oh, I'm very sorry, <laughs> listeners. If you just got an earful of me blowing my nose, I do apologise. It, um, it's Stevie's fault. <laughs> it's Stevie's fault for refusing to edit out something that was funny. Um, yeah. Anyhow, yeah, what, what is it? <laughs> you know, in, in the past, we've been trying to keep to the canon, but you know, to the TV series canon. And still, it's you know, quite an open imagination and stuff. But I think we've, we, um, certainly in season three, we opened up that whole imagination and going in our own direction a lot and more was... than we previously did. And I think season four is taking that one step further, you know. Quorum of time let us basically separate ourselves from the canon. We said... At the end of Quorum of Time, there are no more fixed points in time. From that point on, mm-hmm. his, the future is unknown. The Quorum of Time don't know what the future holds. So yeah. it's like we can pretty much do anything we want because there was that pivotal moment, that pivotal mm-hmm. decision that the Doctor made. Mm-hmm. And boom, we're off into an unknown future. And that's what's so exciting for us Absol- and the Doctor. Absolutely, yeah. Because, um, I mean... The Doctor himself has got a completely new lease of life and a new way of looking at life, obviously. Yeah. And, and so what better to do at that exact moment than to throw him, you know, like they, they've said in the, the current BBC season how, you know, mm-hmm. you will soar so high and then fall further than you ever have before. And mm-hmm. I actually laughed when I heard that because I thought, oh, please, sister, have you read season four scripts from Doctor Who? I don't think so. <laughs> 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 I honestly think that, I mean, yeah, no matter what they do to, to the Doctor on the BBC series, 
he's going to look back on that and Max incarnation and go, oh yeah, good times compared to what <laughs> uh, we're putting him through now. Oh. Um, oh. It's it's just going to be quite horrific to, to deal with. It's going to be so exciting, um, and and um, there there are some sort of massive um, scenes to come as well. Again, without going into too much detail about them, but there, there, there's there's some huge things that I need to be sort of looking at from a production point of view. As well. Oh yeah, I've, having yeah. read your scripts, you know, it's like I mean, it just but as always because it's Doctor Who, there's going to be a bit of uh, a bit. Of, there's going to be heaps of action. Oh, there's of going to be some moments where grown-ups are going to be like, I don't want to listen to this because it's scaring the crap out of me. Um, and really, seriously, people mm. need to be listening to this before giving it to their kids, um, unless you want to pay some expensive therapy. Um, and yeah, you'll need tissues for some of it, probably if you've got a head cold like me, or if you're just going to cry your eyes out, because some of it is going to be really emotional. But one of the big elements that happens throughout this entire season is that because there are no more fixed points in time mm-hmm. anymore, you know, from the future, there's only those that have happened in the doctor's life, if you like, and the rest of it is now wide open. The entire history of the universe is being changed. That's the key element of this whole season. Time is being changed. And the doctor is the only one who can actually do anything about it. Because the quorum of time can't influence it anymore, mm-hmm. like they have throughout his life. Mm-hmm. So now he needs to do it. He needs to come up with find the culprit and stop which again is just huge <laughs> yeah it's, and it's quite possibly one of the biggest concepts I suppose you know that, that's kind of come to fruition on any sort of Doctor Doctor Who sort of audio series or otherwise even in the books yeah. a lot of the books the novels and things you know I've never really encountered things to that sort of scope and scale well I mean this I think season 4 for us you know would do really well as a uh, as a Doctor Who novel because it's that kind of epic length and interconnected stories mm-hmm. but every story in it is is different um, you know and and there's easter eggs to go go you know everything you go through um, if you if you sat down and you mapped it out having mm-hmm. listened to the entire season you could go oh right so that's how that was connected to this and this was over here and while that was happening this was going on and they were doing this I mean, that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about your writing is the attention to detail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I, <laughs> I do like to, to make sure that people are entertained. And it should be something you don't just listen to once and go, oh, yeah, that was good, mm-hmm. and then never bother again. I want people, people to be able to go back and listen to it again and, and take notes on it and, you know, and yeah. maybe do it as a university paper and say... This year we're going to be studying, you know, the Broken Sea Audio Season 4 of Doctor Who because, frankly, people, it was really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and there's layers to it, and you can you can peel the layers back. And you can make up your own conclusions because we don't give all the answers either all the time either. Well, I think that's kind uh, of important as well because... Um, you know, I, I kind of like the idea that you're not given all the answers and, and that there is... Um, Seeds of ideas sown um, yeah. that kind of open up the imagination for you to fill the blanks in yourself. And I that love would that be idea. One um, critique I'd have of the BBC mm-hmm. Doctor Who is that because they're dealing with a wider audience mm-hmm. and possibly a less tolerant audience, they need to give answers to everything. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't give any spoilers, but obviously the the half season finale that they just had, I felt that they you know they beat it with a stick. They really did. They they mm-hmm. said, look, you know, this is who River Song is, and if you didn't get it. This is who River Song is, and then so, and then if you yeah. still didn't get it, they gave you a signpost, um, <laughs> sat nav direction and coordinates. <laughs> you know, it was like if you didn't get there by then, you know. But I mean, it was that was been a great show so far. I mean, it's had some clunky episodes, but mm. um, I've got to say though, I did enjoy the Neil Gaiman one. Oh, that was um, exceptional, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and it was so good to finally meet the doctor's wife in that way. That was just awesome. Oh, that was excellent, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that sort of mid-season finale for me, um, that didn't feel like a mid-season finale. That felt to me like it was episode one of a yeah. story, of a growing story. It didn't feel like a finale. It felt like this was just the beginning of something absolutely huge about to happen. You know, and this was just basically the very first little snippets of it that we were getting. Um, I don't think it actually felt like a finale at all. You know, I think it came across like they were going to do a lot more with uh, the events. There's a there's a heck of a lot more events to come, basically, that are on a, like a massive scale. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they have lined up. Oh, um, me too. I'm very intrigued yeah. to see how they resolve it all. I think it's going to be a huge challenge. Well, and yeah. of course, being BBC, it's it is the best Doctor Who. It's the benchmark. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's benchmark and it's the best because they've got the video and the special effects budget and they've got the, the best um, TV actors. We happen to have the best audio actors, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be cool to know, you know, even if there's probably someone in the BBC who mm-hmm. you know, monitors this sort of thing. And I hope whoever is listening to um, at the BBC, whoever is listening to our Doctor Who, I hope they are enjoying it and it's not being a real chore for them. Um, so, you know, yeah. we're always available for script consultation. Well, this is it. You know, I mean, some of the ideas, I've noticed that some of the ideas from our earlier seasons have actually sort of appeared on the TV show a couple of times, you know. And yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that, that there is too. somebody there it's, out there listening in. From the BBC, and it's like, yeah, hang on a minute, didn't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, or that's very similar to what we did. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, I mean, the thing is, we've got no claim to it. I mean, our oh, scripts are not, our yeah. scripts, but the characters aren't ours. So, hey, it's mm-hmm. it's immortality of a difference. Well, again, I mean, I did um, I did the first um, Torchwood audio ever. In fact, yeah. And um, the, the, when the BBC actually did their first official one, the one that was set at the CERN facility, they, they kind of nicked um, our first uh, scene pretty much in its entirety. They changed the location, but it was pretty much the same scene. And they, they copied a number of other things as well, you know. I said, you know, laugh, I nearly sued. <laughs> but, but to be honest with you, it was... Um, Again, you're right. I mean, we, we, we have no claim to the series. You know, it's, it's not our series. We don't own it, you know. Um, we're just, we've just got, like, a small corner of that sort of whole, you know, uh, universe, I, I, guess, yeah. I guess, you know. And um, to be honest with you, I, the, the fact that, um, that it wound up, or certainly elements of what I did wound up on, a, on an official sort of BBC thing, um, yeah. First of all, I felt very proud about that, you know, and I actually took it as quite a compliment, you know, because it means that obviously the people in the know are actually listening and, uh, you know, taking notes on what we're yeah. doing. 
Well, like I say, I hope they're enjoying our, you know, see our version of Doctor Who. Of course, um, yeah. Because I'm sure someone is listening to it because I know they monitor the Doctor Who Yahoo group. Um, and we're always posting on that with our latest updates. Oh, um, yeah. And that's a phenomenal group of fans, actually. That, that group's just awesome. If you want to know anything about Doctor Who, there's always someone there who can tell you um, just the slightest details. Oh, yeah, Crazy. I mean, they know absolutely, um, I mean, these are hardcore fans, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of every tiny little detail of every episode, you know, and that's great, of course, you know. And it's quite a resource as well. It you is know, good. For people like ourselves so, who are putting these shows together. So what will happen is um, I'm still fine-tuning the last probably three to four episodes of this Doctor Who season. Um what we've got so far is just really exciting stuff. Um, we have, oh, geez, it's it's hard to put into words because we have one plot line, and then we have a second plot line, and then we have these miniature plot lines, which are like each episode, you know, has mm-hmm. its own plot cycle. But there are two major curves that, that go through it, two plot arcs that go through mm-hmm. the entire season. And it's going to change the face of our Doctor Who forever. It really is. Um, That's how exciting it is, you know, because it's... It is, yeah. It's kind of throwing it all up and throwing it all out in the open and mixing things up and saying, you think you know our Doctor Who? Think again. (laughs) Because we've got a fair few surprises for you. Yeah, I mean... What the hell are we going to do for season five? Would be my next question. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I mean, two things. I mean, first of all, like one of the other surprises, um, and I don't think it's much of a spoiler, you know, um, but it is kind of a fun little element. Is um, Paul's cat Nero is, makes an appearance this season and stars in one of the episodes? <laughs> and I, I can't wait. <laughs> that's going to be great. Um, but yeah, he's I a mean, Siamese and he does love to talk. <laughs> well, that was it. I mean, it, it's like I mean, we did Quorum of Time, and that particular that you know the season three, you know, obviously it won the Sir Julius Vogel Award. Um, yes. we're still waiting for uh, sort of parsec decisions to be made and stuff, you know, because we're up for a parsec award yep. again this year. Like we are most years, we like to get involved in the parsecs. Of course, yeah, and um, we, we've just brought. Obviously, we've just brought in the new theme with the last episode. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, we brought the radiophonic workshop to our Doctor Who. How are you going to top that? Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like um, well, we could either get Neil Gaiman or Stephen Moffat to to write an episode. That would be good. I'm, I'd be happy to work with them. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like, you know, how the heck are we going to top the fact that we brought in the radiophonic workshop? And that's one thing that's kind of, um, I suppose, that's kind of concerned me a little bit, you know, is, is the fact that we're doing such big things now. Yeah. What are we leaving for the future to do, you know? I think we'll just have to focus on continuing to make great stories, um, well, you know, yeah. with the team. And know. maybe just try and get pushing something. it. Yeah, maybe try and get something. It's Doctor Who. There's a whole universe out there that we can explore. You know, all of time and space. Of course, um, yeah. And you know, I mean, the other side of it is we could maybe try and get some of the um, TV series actors involved. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we could maybe have Matt Smith's Doctor make an appearance or something. <laughs> 
you know, Mrs. But, Tennant would be a, a my choice, actually. Sorry, <laughs> a Georgina Moffat or Georgia Moffat. Oh God, right, yeah. yes. Yeah. I'd I'd um, I'd like to to work with her. Oh, she'd be <clears> great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure Paris would be okay with it. Oh, well, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or Amy. <laughs> Yeah, well, but again, these are probably for entirely different reasons. <laughs> Maybe not quite for the good yeah, of the show. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be awesome? It'd be kind of fun. Though. I mean, this is just total oh. fan oh, squee yeah, here, but wouldn't yeah. it be awesome to get a, a, a former doctor to explore your stuff? Oh, or, or, or even if we could get somebody like Tom Baker to just record us a little snippet, a soundbite, or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that just be so great? You know, yeah. they wouldn't even have to be um, as the doctor. He could just do a cameo as himself or something. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Oh. Well, he's in your part of the country, mate. You go in, or part of the world, even. Well, I'll um, try. You get in there and sort him out. Ah, oh, well, that's it. I'll try. <laughs> what, I, what I'll have to do is, um, next time there's one of the former doctors comes to one of our um, sci-fi cons down here, mm-hmm. I'll have to um, take a microphone recording or something. Well, I, Say, please read this line. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and then record him. Believe it or not, it actually almost happened with Tom Baker. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there was um, a local autograph shop from me. It's uh, very, very, very close by to me. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they've had, um, you know, I've mentioned on various behind the sofa shows and such like and other behind the scenes shows, you know, that um, I went and met people like Jeremy Bullock and David Prowse and Kenny Baker and people like that. And uh, the That's next, right. the next big thing. So, so they felt that they'd done Star Wars to death, and so they actually, um, the owner of the shop, Andrea, she actually asked me, you know, you know, where where should they go next, you know, because they done they done Star Wars, and they got Star Wars casts in. They also did um, James Bond, and got some of the, oh, yeah. the Bond stars in, and they did horror as well. You know, they got Freddy Krueger and Pinhead in the shop. Uh, <gasps> Yeah, I know. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> I don't mean. To... <laughs> but yeah, and they were both there. And in fact, they actually did a joint signing session in that shop together. So you only had to go one afternoon. You could meet Pinhead and Freddy Krueger. And uh, and so okay. was asking... Stevie, you're killing me here, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. Um, anyhow, the um, she asked me, you know, where. You know where she, where I thought she should go next with the signing sessions, and I said, "Well, why not Doctor Who? You know, and try and get some. You know, Doctor Who's massive. It's it's you know yeah. the UK's number one TV series. You know, and popularity wise, it's huge. And you think of the amount of merchandise and videos and T-shirts and mugs and things that are sold. It's a huge cash cow, you know. And yeah. so I'm thinking." You know, even on a business point of view, it would make sense to do a Doctor Who signing session. And so she said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll have a look at trying to do that and get some of the former doctors in the shop uh, for signing sessions. And then what she was going to do was she was going to have um, Daleks and such like wandering around the shopping centre. Oh. <laughs> you know, and, and stuff. You know, I mean, when she did some of the Star Wars ones, they had stormtroopers, they had a whole... Um, a sort of, um, they had like a whole fleet of um, stormtroopers, a battalion, sorry, of stormtroopers actually walking around the shopping centre. <laughs> so it was cool to be there, you know. Um, and, uh, sadly, unfortunately, the shop went, um, the shop's no longer there, they sort of went bankrupt, oh. they went under. Um, and so, you know, it was really, really sad to see. Um, so it never came off. 
um, but they'd already approached Tom Baker and Tom Baker had agreed to be there and obviously it never happened, you know um, so I was going to hop along like and I was going to take a little dictation machine with me, you know I was going to try and get yes. a sound bite for him you know, off him, you know, when I met him, you know, and they sort of there again, you know, fanboy squee mode, you know, sort of, hey, Tom, yeah. would you just give us a little quote for our show? Uh, <laughs> Anything at all, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have been great if you just turned around and said, you know, would you like a jelly baby? Uh, would that, that, that would be just like the killer sort of sound bite, wouldn't it? This is Tom Baker, yeah. would you like a jelly baby? You know, oh, man. <laughs> This is Tom Baker. Would you like a jelly baby? Would you like jelly baby? Yeah, I mean, uh, but, you know, that's a terrible impression. Mac does a great one, though. Oh, he does, yeah. <laughs> right. Mine's terrible. I can't do Tom Baker. I don't have that in my vocal range, you know. See, that, that's why we don't play the doctor. We, we let Mac do it. We leave it to the expert. Well, that's it, isn't it? Well, actually, speak for yourself. I've played the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it wasn't for Broken Sea, was it? Yes, it was. Was it? Yeah, tick two. Oh, right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there was a company for a reason. <laughs> but I wasn't quite the Doctor as such. I, w- I was Christopher Eccleston playing the yeah, Doctor. That's right. Yeah, um, So it w- I wasn't strictly the Doctor in that one. But, uh, yeah, it was fun, though. It was fun to do. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't do that. You know, it's just... Uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to work for me, you know. I, I haven't got the vocal range for a Tom Baker or... But Mac does these amazing impressions of the other doctors, you know. I mean, we're just talking on last behind the sofa show that you know, just you know how cool it is that he kind of drops some of those. Um, he, he does some of those impressions from time to time, le- when you're least expecting it as well. I'm kind of encouraging the listeners to go back over and listen, because yeah. just every now and again he'll voice a line like Sylvester McCoy or. Patrick Troughton or something, you know, and I think that's really, really outstanding, you know, because again, the Doctor's built on these, you know, multiple personalities, so, hey, you know, it's it's kind of cool, um, so, yeah, the new theme, Paul, you know, wow, <laughs> oh. by the time this is, by the time this, this particular Behind the Sofa show airs, the theme will have done already, so we can talk about it, no problem. Wow, <laughs> um, it's, it's great. But to have a new mix of the, the whole theme is just quite awesome, and I think it really goes with the themes of this whole season too. Mm-hmm. I'm still in a state of shock that it even happened at all. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like, he, uh, he he was from Radio Radiophonic Workshop as well. Eh? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Jay worked for. In fact, he actually worked with Delia Derbyshire, Brian Hodgson, and um, uh, David Forhouse. Um, yeah. he, he actually worked there with all three of them at the Radiophonic Workshop, actually on Doctor Who. Um, and he worked on um, he worked on things like The Prisoner, as well. You know, so so to get this guy on our theme, it's just right. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I still shudder now. I'm still shaking. You know, I mean, it was like um, I remember sending emails to Jane, sort of asking him if he ever fancied revisiting his time on the show, and. Uh, you know, he came back within the hour and went, yeah, sure, you know. And um, I've, I've, I've worked with um, famous people before, you know, and, and, and such like. And uh, usually, you know, the, you know, typically what happens is you approach them and they get all enthusiastic and excited about it and agree to do it, and then it never happens. Yeah. You know, because other things get in the way. Like, for instance, you know, you know, there might be touring or there might 
you know, be recording an album at the t- just at the time when you need them, you know, and so you wind up like with conflicts of schedules and stuff, and it never ever comes off, you know. Um, but no, um, you know, Jay, <laughs> Jay came back, and he, he came through for us, you know, and then. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, and I got his, um, I got his takes in my email inbox, and I literally, I just shook. <laughs> it's like, my God, this is actually going to happen, <laughs> you know? Twenty-year-long pipe dream, and it's finally going to come off, you know? I mean, wow, <laughs> it doesn't get any bigger than that, you know? I mean, that was like a dream come true for me. And um, and of course, he didn't even come alone either. He brought um, he brought a saxophone player for us as well. You know, a guy called Neiman Lyles, who played the saxophone on the main melody too. You know, and sort of Jay brought that guy in too. You know, for us, um, because and that was, incidentally, it was sort of Jay's idea to to use saxophone on that main main melody. By the way, yeah. um, he kind of wow. came up with that, and he said, "Well, saxophone goes really well with." with sort of old-fashioned analog synthesizers, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe not, you know. I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a go, you know, I'll have a listen to it, you know. And, and he was, you know, damn, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> because the saxophone gives it this really haunting sort of, um, oh, almost a sad quality to it. It's it's phenomenal, you know, and I'm so pleased that it, that it came off, and it came off sounding as good as it did, because obviously there's... You know, Delia and uh, Ron Green are doing the original theme. It was just incredible to start with. And then there's been so many memorable uh, versions of the theme tune over the years. And in fact, there's actually a a website called WhoMix. And it it has something like two, two and a half thousand um, fan-made sort of versions of the Doctor Who theme tune on there for you to download. That's right, yeah. It's you know it's incredible the amount that are out there you know and so for me to to, to have gotten to, to 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 do what I would consider to be my own personal dream theme you know it was it was superb you know and um, I, I'm so pleased that it came out sounding as well as it did you know because obviously bringing in somebody like um, the, you know the famous J Ellington Lee and you know the, this this incredible sax player as well you know I, I wanted to do their hard work and efforts justice you know. <laughs> Yeah, and phenomenal. of course, um, it, it's about time uh, the Mark Kalita doctor had his own theme, you know. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, it, it, as I say, everyone uses the Murray Gold mm-hmm. thing, and that's fine. But yeah, it's a great. Let's theme. get some. Let's get. It is a great theme, but let's get a different take on it, and that's what you've done. And I think that's just phenomenal. Yeah, and like I say, I mean, there's been so many great versions of that theme over the years. I mean, Mark Ayres did a couple of really good ones as well. Um, one of my favourites was actually done for a, a one-off um, TV um, show, um, and it was in the John Pertwee era, and it, it, the, that version of the theme was only ever used on that one episode, and it's like an orchestral version, but back in the 1970s, and it has all that sort of 1970s orchestration on it, and it's got like an electric guitar on there as well, and it's really, really good, you know, like a live... It's almost, I think it was the London Philharmonic that did it, and it is absolutely superb. I'll try and find it anyway. Maybe send it on to you at some point. You know when I find it, because I mean, I've actually got it on a vinyl record, and it said sort of you know, best children's themes or something from the nineteen seventies, and that's the version of the Doctor Who theme that's on there. And I've never found it anywhere else, <laughs> so, apart from on that one at Joe Pertwee episode, and I can't remember which one it was that it appeared on. Uh, but it, but it's an amazing theme. It was so cool. 
Um, so, yeah, and um, obviously my favourite version would be the Delia Derbyshire one. You know, I mean, that's it just kind of goes without saying, you know, yeah. because of just how much hard work and effort went into it, you know. You know, we, we have a phrase in the north that she went to the far end of a fart, you know, to get this. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely the way it should have done, you know. There's strange folk up there in the north, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not quite Scottish, Paul, you know. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, that's a little bit Scottish. That was a Scottish opinion. accent, that one, you know. You, yeah. you, you almost dipped into King Arthur there for us. Sorry. <laughs> um, but no, it was... Um, you know, I, I, what the hell was I saying now? <laughs> Your Scottish uh, accent. Really, you know? I'm sorry, going to the far end of a fat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, splice, you know, just recording individual notes at different pitches and then splicing all that together in tapes and creating the world's largest tape loop, you know, for the theme. I mean... Well, that's just it. And she was working with actual physical tape, none of this digital recording. No, 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 it wasn't sort of splicing stuff together with a sampling package, software package on a computer. There was no such thing. This was, you know, physically splicing these things together, you know. Oh, my mind mind just boggles when I think about it, you know. And, I mean, they were doing things with with the Putney which was the old VCS3 synthesizer that was used all over Dark Side of the Moon as well, incidentally, by Pink Floyd. Um, And she was doing things with a Putney that it was never designed to be, you know, (laughs) it it was never actually designed to do that, you know. (laughs) And uh, she's just incredible. I mean, what an amazing lady, you know. She she is sorely missed by so many people, you know. Um, uh, Certainly her musical output and uh, certainly her sound effects output will, will be... You know, uh, but you know, just incredible lady, and and like I said, to get somebody who worked with her, actually, you know, helping us compose our Doctor Who theme. Oh my God! You know, <laughs> just for me, it was it was dream gig. You know, that's end of fantastic. You know, just end of that. That that's it. <laughs> you know? yep. And um, you know, for your good self, you've won the Sir Julius Vogel Award, and um, oh, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. It was a very big deal for me, actually. I feel very pleased about that. And again, I think it's an award that we've all won because it's, you know, it sees them with such a group effort. Um, the idea is that the feedback I was getting from the script, it's like I'd write something and then I'd send it off mm-hmm. and everyone would come back and say, yeah, no, that's great, that's cool, or do this, or you know, what about this? And um, so, you know, everyone had a part to play. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was like that with the production as well, you know, but, you know. Um, yourself and Mac were coming forward with suggestions and things, you know, as well. Even even like on the production side of things, the mixes and stuff, you know. And they were all great suggestions. And, and you know, I would say that sort of nine times out of ten they were used and <laughs> wound up actually on there. You know, yeah. uh, there was no yeah. egos involved, and that was that was just the, the best part about working and building up this team that we have now. You know, and of course now we've built up all that teamwork. You know, now it's now we're just looking to the future. You know. Yeah, I think we have got egos. I think we've all got egos, which is why we're arrogant enough to think that we can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like they're not egos that are opposing each other. They're egos that are working together. Well, hey, you know, Mac is an awesome doctor and he's Mm -hmm. got some great ideas from the from the character's perspective, from the actor's perspective. Stevie's this um, phenomenal director, producer, sound mixer. And so he's got the whole soundscape ideas and input and Mm -hmm. ideas for stories. 
and then there's Paul, who's just this poor slave who we forced to you know, <laughs> shed blood on his keyboard. Well, this is it, you know. I mean, um, we actually yeah. chained Paul, you know, to a desk <laughs> for about three I months. Ha- I have to wear latex gloves because my fingertips are bleeding for the hours <laughs> of typing. <laughs> Send help <laughs> if you're listening. Oh, well, this is it, you know. I mean, I mean, at this moment in time, like, you've won a Sir Julius Vogel Award. Yeah. I've gotten to work with a radiophonic workshop. Yes. Uh, Mac? Mac's waiting for his call-up from the BBC, asking him to do a cameo at the Fan well, Fiction Doctor special. Well, yep, yeah, I think I think <sighs> that's probably going to be on the cards at some point. It's got to be, hasn't it, you know? Yeah, I mean, really does. At the end of the day, we've got, um, you know... the. The longest standing TV doctor, of course, was Tom Baker, who played the character for seven years. And uh, yep. Max also played the character for seven years now. Yeah. Um, so Max being the doctor for as long as Tom Baker was, you know, I mean, and that's something else, you know, I mean, that, that's a heck of an achievement, you know, I mean, and Max still playing the doctor, you know, and Tom Baker's not, no longer doing it, of course, you know. Uh, actually, I is, don't isn't he? want He's, to be the guy who writes an episode where Mac leaves us I don't want to do that someone else can write that if Mac ever decided that he wanted to hang up his hat or his scarf or mm-hmm. his TARDIS key someone else can write the damned episode because I couldn't do it I couldn't um, do it either because um, I don't even know if I could do that from a production point of view Paul you know because yeah. um, I've gotten so attached to Mac's doctor you know well that's just it I mean I write with Max Doctor in mind, I don't write thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is Matt Smith or yeah. David Tennant." Or, I mean, I mm-hmm. always include elements of the past because right. that's what happens. The Doctor mm-hmm. is this multiple personalities going back through time, mm-hmm. but he he's also Mac, you know, Max Doctor, and that has to be that is unique as much as everyone else's. He is as so, well. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's that, that's one. Of, again, it's one of the reasons why I've, I've I've really sort of warmed to Max Doctor, you know, in such a huge way, is is the fact that he is he's quite a bit different to the other audio doctors, you know, and yeah. there there is familiar but different as yes. well, you know, and and he's got that all about him, you know, and I mean, there's been times when when. Mac and I, we, we've, we've chatted about his doctor, you know, and there's been times as well when, um, you know, of course, on Quorum of Time, I played his dad. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, that was funny, you know. <laughs> was, um, um, one of the other things I've liked about his doctor as well is how much time he takes. T- and a lot of this goes un- unseen as well, you know. Um, but Mac spends a lot of time sort of... Um, assisting the fans and stuff I mean I'm only going back a little little while back you know when one of the fans actually um, sent an email into the exec team asked a particular question about Doctor Who and um, they wound up getting yeah. a reply back from the Doctor yeah. <laughs> and that was pretty cool um, there's been times when I've sat in here you know and my, my youngest son who's a huge Doctor Who fan and, um, and, and he's a massive fan of Broken Seas Doctor Who and a huge fan of Max as well and, um, you know, he came in and I, I sort of introduced him to the doctor, you know, <laughs> over Skype. <laughs> you know, Mac, Mac just, he sat there and chatted to my son for ages, you know, but in character. And a lot of that goes unseen, you know. Yeah, it does. Um, because it's it's kind of like a personal touch on the character, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's always going to be kids who are big fans as well as the adults, which mm-hmm. is awesome because it would be nice to know that 
people will, you know, in 10 years' time, people will come on and say, oh, you know, Mark Kalita, he was my doctor, you know, and people are like, oh, yeah, the audio one, woohoo, you know. Didn't they win a Grammy or something? <laughs> well, that's it's like, so, well, it? yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, I mean, I think, um, I think Mark's going to... Um, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody is going to ask Matt to be a part of uh, maybe not the TV series, but certainly one of the big Finnish audios. Oh yeah, certainly he should be. Man. You know, and I think uh, um, you know he may very well find himself acting alongside somebody like Paul McGann or Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, if he did, he could always take Sylvester McCoy's tie back. <laughs> Give him his tie back. <laughs> Just for our listeners' benefit, there, um, Mac owns the actual um, bow tie that Sylvester McCoy's doctor wore on the TV series. <laughs> If he does get to act alongside him, he can give him it back. <laughs> he should turn up wearing it. And then <laughs> at the would... end of it, say, oh, actually, this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. And on that bombshell note, Paul, I think uh, maybe perhaps we should be sort of closing, closing this I think so, yes. Um, hey, it's been awesome talking to you, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. Um, all I can say in closing is that we have one hell of a season coming for you for Doctor Who. So thank you for your patience and stick with us. Um, we will get you through the long, cold summer, or in my case, long, cold winter, um, between now and the renewal of the second half of the BBC season. So, yeah, stick with us. Okay. And uh, see you later, Paul. Bye-bye now. Cheers, Stevie. Thanks, mate.